History happened everywhere. A random place, a random time, and a topic pulled from the hat. The challenge for one of us to go away and find out everything they can about it, then come back and reveal all. You're listening to... History happened everywhere. Hello, I'm Ryan Weir, and you're listening to History Happened Everywhere. I'm here in the studio with my good pal, Mr. Peter Goddard. Word up, Ryan Weir. You're my hero. You alright? Yeah, I'm alright, mate. Been a good week. I did some painting. What, like uh, portraits? Landscapes. Landscapes? No, walls, unfortunately. What colour did you go for well now i would describe it as white right uh, and yeah. my partner would describe that as an arabian nocturnal sunset, sundown yeah. or something like that but uh now i thought it was a sort of bluey white i've not done any painting ever you never painted a room well no of course i painted a room uh but no i've not been doing any painting this week no i just wondered because you didn't ask me what i've been up to i don't care well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, friendship, eh? It's beautiful. <laughs> so, how are you feeling about this week? Because you're so excited, I'm nervous that I can't possibly live up to your expectations. You can tell I'm excited, can't In you? In part, I think you are expecting me to deliver the impossible. That's all I can ask for, is for you to deliver the impossible. That's uh, that's what I'm going to do. Um, but uh, that was a bit cryptic, so why don't we have a little leap back last week, check out what yeah. it is we're talking about today. Okay. All right, here we go. And your country for episode 26 will be... Okay, so this is interesting. Uh, we've got a wild card again. So we wait for your country and put that at the end. All okay, right. so your time period is... 1985 to 1990. Five-year period. Uh, and do you want to know the topic? Yes, sir. Okay, the topic is... Oh, this is brilliant. Ghosts. 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 Ghosts in the 1980s. Ooh. I don't think I could have been more happier about a topic unless it was aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to have to do it. Yeah, <laughs> but I have to sit here and listen to it. Oh, that's true. You're going to enjoy this, aren't you? Ghosts, right. So Ghosts, ghosts in 1985 in... to 1990. Oh, so you've got to pick a country now, haven't you? Yeah. All right, so we need to hit the 30-second thing. Timer starts now. Okay, so I want to be somewhere where there's ghosts in the 80s. So it doesn't have to be super old. It could be recent ghosts. Somewhere with a good tradition of spookiness and superstition. Uh, I can't be too new. I'm going to say the United States. Right, so we've got the United States of America, 1985 to 1990, over the topic of ghosts. Man, I'm excited to hear this one. I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) But the good news is, uh, you are going to be so easily pleased with this. This is, this like, is things Ryan so likes. Up my sh- I'm, I'm just <laughs> jealous I didn't get this one. Wow. Wow, indeed. I can't tell you just how much I've been looking forward to this all week. I've lived my life waiting for this moment. I want to ask you, before we begin this podcast, what's your view on it? I, I have a view that I will, I will emerge, actually. I, oh. I believe that 
people see things for sure. Uh, but before we get too deep into the topic, which I have actually prepared some stuff for, Ryan, uh, let's orient ourselves, shall we? Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, you may be familiar with the USA. Um, yeah. yeah. It's sometimes known as the United States of America. United States, that's the one. It's on yeah. the North American continent between Canada USA. and Mexico. USA! USA! Exactly. Uh, what do you think uh, the United States of America is made of? Uh, dashed hopes and dreams. The United States Freedom of America. Democracy. Administratively is made of? Uh, states. Correct. Uh, but not just states. Here's the thing. Uh, America consists of, I shall call it America from time to time. Apologies for anyone in the North American continent who gets annoyed by that. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, you've got 50 states, but you also have a federal district. Right. So uh, Washington is in D.C., which is not a state. It's a district. Oh, wait, what? So if it turned into a state, could it be the 51st state? Uh, it certainly wouldn't still be called Washington because there is a Washington state, which is on the entire other side of the country. Well, this is confusing already. So, yeah, Seattle, for example, is in Washington State. Washington State is in the northwest okay. of uh, the country. Um, but Washington, D.C. is yeah. in the District of Columbia. It's a district. Nice. Uh, I believe this was because as the capital, they didn't want it to be a state as well and then be part of the whole jockeying for, oh, well, our state needs its funding okay. because it's the seat of government. Yeah. 50 is a good number in it for states. It is a good number, but here's the other thing. It's not just made of 50 states in a district. It has five major self-governing territories. So the United States is the states that you think of. Yeah. D.C., Puerto Rico, U.S. Virgin Islands, Guam, Northern Mariana Islands, and American Samoa. Guam. Those are all the United States of America. Wow. So of those, so that's five major governing self-governing territories. Four of those, everyone in them are American citizens. Right. One of them, the poor people of American Samoa, are non-citizen U.S. nationals. Non-citizen in, in, internationals. Right. So they're U.S. nationals. So they get they they are under U.S. protection. They can travel around the U.S. without a visa. Okay. But they're not citizens, so they can't do a job that you you have to be a citizen for. They can't vote. Oh. So they've got this weird sort of demi-American status, which That's is quite, super I weird. Was quite interesting. What's the benefit of that? To you as an American Samoan? Yeah. I suspect it's probably a quirk of history because everyone else gets to be citizens. It's only you in American Samoa okay. that don't get that. I don't know. I don't know why it is. Somebody didn't negotiate very well around the table. Uh, yeah, presumably. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, well, hang on now. We're just, we're just nationals. What is that? <laughs> That's the small print, isn't it? But the then, terms of course, and conditions. There's also 326 Indian reservations or Native American reservations is another way. 326. They're managed by the US Bureau of Indian Affairs. Not my words. And uh, they're, they're run by the tribes, essentially. And there's also some minor possessions. They've got little islands around the Pacific, knocking about the place. Okay. But that's quite, I thought that was quite interesting. You would think of America being the states in D.C. And yeah. you usually consider the uh, reservations as well. But you, you, a lot of people don't appreciate that if you're Puerto Rican, you are American. Uh, absolutely. Including some ex-presidents. Well, precisely. Um, Size-wise, 9,833,000 uh, square kilometres. 18 Frances to an America. I mean, that is a lot, isn't it? It's a chunky place. It's got 332.6 million people. Does that include all those other territories we were talking about? No, I don't think it does, actually. But those territories aren't massive, so chuck a few 18 more and on. a bit. You're not even going to notice. 
Okay. So landscape-wise, it's something for everyone, really. It's got mountains, the Rockies, lakes, Michigan, and other great lakes. It's got plains in the Midwest, deserts, Sonoma in the Southwest, and famously swamps, Washington, D.C. Oh, Boom. clever. Politics that joke. That is good. Um, and also, <laughs> obviously, Louisiana has actual swamps, if that's what you want. I thought the swamp had been drained. Uh, I was told that the swamp would be drained. Yeah, that was one of the many things that many people were told. I uh, believe there are still swamps available. Okay. Right. It's got more Disney parks than Europe. Yeah. Like in America, there's two of them in the. <laughs> <laughs> On that bombshell, let's go back in time. Right. So when are we talking about? We're talking about 1985 to 1990. How old were you then, Pete? I was 14 to 19. These are my teenage years, basically. Some might say my prime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So um, there's some things from this era. The Coca-Cola company introduces New Coke. New Coke. New Coke. Yeah, that went down well. It did not at all go down well. It's it's now a, a quite a classic business textbook case study because mm. they did actually tons of research and went, this is definitely a more delicious Coke. But what they did not reckon with was people's desire for things not to change. <laughs> <laughs> people don't like change. They did not in this case for sure. There was famine in Ethiopia, live aid, do they know it's Christmas? Yes, they've got calendars in Africa, they're not stupid. Uh, Americans singing We Are The World. Other songs, January 1985, the first number one in the UK. Foreigner, I Want To Know What Love Is. I want to know what love is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> December 1990, the other end of our time, yeah. Band-Aid 2, do they know it's Christmas, which is a re-release of Band-Aid. So more interestingly, in sort of end of November, New Kids On The Block. You got it. The right stuff. Yeah. You got the right stuff. Baby. Baby. So that's your musical journey. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, the Sinclair C5 was launched in this period. Okay. One, I, I think it aspired to be the precursor to the electric car. But what in fact was, was a life-threateningly dangerous, low-lying electric go-kart, which placed the driver at approximately exhaust pipe level <laughs> and was suggested to be a good way to get to work in amongst all the uh, only recently unleaded traffic. Yeah, <laughs> it was a sled with wheels, like you say, like a go-kart. And you sort was of sit power. down, it was like a reclining bike kind of sit- set up as you sat on it. It had yeah. pedals for when the, the battery wasn't enough. It was fundamentally, though, way ahead of its time. Sure. Right? It's, Prius now is what C5 was trying to be and really wasn't at all. Yeah, I think probably the closest to the Sinclair C5 is the Segway, right? In terms of like a, a contraption that people looked at that went, wow, that's kind of kooky and never quite took off. And there, there was something there, but it didn't. It's something didn't there. A few it. people <laughs> sort of bought it and were like, mm, yeah, maybe we can do something with that. Yeah, it was a, he gave it a good go. Fair play to him. Um, Prime Minister wise, we had Thatcher from 79 to 90. So this entire period. President Reagan was in this in the whole period up to 89. Boris Yeltsin in Russia. He was doing the whole Cold War glasnost thing. Sure. So we're looking at the tail end of the Cold War. 1986 was the Chernobyl disaster. Yes. Um, the Berlin Wall falls at 19, in 1989. So we're looking at really the tail end of the Cold War. Uh, and then finally, just to orient you a little bit, a couple of movies. The UK release of Ghostbusters. Uh, and 5th of October 1990, the film Ghost was released. Oh, so, so it sort of bookends your your period exactly in cinematically spectacular saying, cinema. Hey guys, this is what's happening. You start start not afraid of ghosts, and you end actually in love with ghosts. Falling in love with a ghost. It's, that's how this podcast is going to go. Mm. Right now, you're not afraid. At the end, you're going to be in love. <laughs> <laughs> So 
So what is? So we're talking about ghosts. What is a ghost? Well, it comes from the German word Geist, Ooh. which is spirit. It's the 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 essence, the non-corporeal essence of a thing, right? A ghost. Sure. Almost one in five people in the United States uh, said that they've seen or been in the presence of a ghost. See, that's that's good numbers. That's a lot of people who have seen ghosts, right? One in five. And there's a bunch of different types of ghosts. I guess, you know, different people would tend to categorise them as if they are sort of formal. <laughs> but uh, I think there's poltergeists, which yeah. is kind of your invisible drag things around ghosts. But the, the kind of classic, classic ghost is a sort of see-through white person rattling chains and going, woo. Okay. I, I don't know about the rattling chains. So I'm, I'm going big on the chain thing because I want to talk about Pliny the Younger. Oh, okay. He's, Pliny, he's appeared in a few of our he's, episodes. Well, Pliny the Elder, I believe, was the first one. Oh, is this the younger? This is, is, uh, Pliny the Elder was Pliny the Younger's uncle. <laughs> what? <laughs> Still younger, right? I guess. So Pliny the Younger, in his letters, wrote about this haunted house. Right? Okay. So this is a very early example. I realise I'm out of my time period, but a very early example of a ghost. So he says, I'm extremely desirous to know your sentiments concerning spectres. Whether you believe they actually exist and have their own proper shapes and a measure of divinity, or are only the false impressions of a terrified imagination? The question we'll return to. Mm. So he told a story in his letter. So there was at Athens a large and spacious but ill-reputed and pestilential house. In the dead of night, a noise resembling the clash of iron was frequently heard, and as you listened it drew nearer and nearer, rattling and moaning until suddenly you saw it. A phantom appeared in the form of an old man, extremely meagre and squalid and with a long beard and bristling hair. The old ragged man was rattling the chains on his feet and hands. So the people in the house left immediately. They went, no, I'm not having this. But what chains? Why did he have chains? Well, we'll come to that. Okay. So landlord's going to landlord, right? So he puts the house up for sale or rent at a discount price. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there, can I help you? Hello there, my child. My name is Father Flaherty from St. Martin's Church. I've been sent here by your landlord who tells me that you have a haunting here and, well, he needs me to exercise your ghost. Ooh, it's not a good day, mate. The house is a real mess. So I'll be five you... minutes on. In and out. No problem at all. Uh, look, look, I'm going to level with you. There is no way I can afford a house this nice in this location without my pretty big haunting discount. So uh, if it's all right with you, we could just leave it. Uh, we are talking about the human soul here. We are talking about a three-bedroom apartment with ensuite. This is a human soul that is trapped between the realms. It's crying out for attention. It needs to be returned to the afterlife. Ah, yes, but this £50 note would like to be returned to the church roof fund? I could not in all moral conscience leave this poor ghost here. A hundred pounds? Well, I could be convinced, eh? I'll do that for you. Oh, that'd be great. If you could just tell the landlord, maybe? Absolutely. I'll let him know it's the scariest ghost I've ever had. Great. Thanks a lot, mate. Thanks for coming by. Ooh, is he gone? Yeah, mate, don't worry, I got rid of him. You've got plenty of time on this realm yet. Oh, thank goodness. Quick now, put on the glowing box of delights. Do you mean the telly? Yes, the telly. <laughs> this ghost will not rest until it has kept up with the Kardashians.
<laughs> so then along comes Athenodorus, the philosopher. He comes to Athens and he learns about a cheap house. Okay. And he's like, well, I'll have a bit of that. He's a philosopher. He's not daft. Right. So he comes out, he comes out and he, but he also hears about the ghost. So he stays up having a little writing session. Yeah. And soon enough in the dead of night, the noises begin again. Uh-oh. So uh, he looks up and the ghost is stood before him. Oh, my God. with a finger. Uh, now, Athenodorus was a bit of a, bit of a badass, actually, because he, he makes a sign going, well, hold on. I'm, <laughs> I'm writing here. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes, really? Oh, yeah. Like, he, I just hold that just thought. Like, Wait, right? Just let me and, finish this thought. He, he bent again to his writing. <laughs> and the ghost's like rattling his chains, like, uh, 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 excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he looks around from his uh, writing and he sees it's beckoning again as before. Oh my God. Crooking his finger. So then he thinks, well, I better follow this guy. The ghost wafts to the courtyard where it promptly disappeared. Uh, so the next day, our man Athenodorus goes to the magistrates and he says, uh, can we have a little dig in this area where that ghost disappeared? Right. And there they found bones commingled and intertwined with chains. What? The bones were collected and after the ghost was thus duly laid, the house was haunted no more. Nice. Why do you have chains? Because they believe he was captured and tortured and killed. Okay, gotcha. So this is, in many ways, there's all the elements of a modern, totally modern ghost story. And this is a Roman tale. I mean that that sounded like a, a modern story. Host house, this spirit needs to be laid to rest. It's yeah. un, it's unhappy. It's a mysteriously bargainous house. <laughs> I love it. The crazy landlord. And that's I mean, from the second, in, first or second century AD. In Scooby Doo, the landlord would have been the ghost, right? You well, know almost certainly. Yeah, it probably would have been a fun fair. <laughs> ghost stories going back that far, though. That's kind of cool and i think this is kind of strike one I had no your, idea they went that this far is so that universal because that is a very recognizable ghost story that is not a roman ghost story so that's so what do you think happened there then in your rational mind mr non-cynic well we'll, we'll discuss the causes of ghosts more i would like to talk a bit more about other um other ghosts if i could um because he didn't know about the ghosts they didn't say to him you get a cheap house because there's a ghost that rattles chains or whatever he he was just he just got a cheap house no he didn't know about the house when he got the house he was ready for it he knew what he was he knew what was up oh who told him the landlord. He asked around. He was a philosopher. He's a uh, questioning guy. Yeah. If anything, he could be he's now living in a cheap house that's had yeah. the ghost removed. He's done well. It implies there are other ghosts going back even further in time that they just didn't record. Well, that's. I think the, the reason I brought a Roman story to my 1985 <laughs> podcast was to support you in your view that this is a real thing. It is a real thing. You know, isn't it remarkable that people from so long ago and people today have such a similar experience of exactly. these mysterious phenomena? So this ghost didn't really do much than rattle around and creep people out and kind of scare them. But yeah. um, Oh, right. So I was going to say, there's a little known fact. You haven't lived here that long, have you? Uh, no, I haven't. No. And you know I'm a Croydon native. Yeah. So I know many things. I, yeah. What you possibly don't know about this building is that it's actually built on an old Native American burial ground. Wow. For South London, quite unusual. Really <laughs> sure unusual. Imagine. But uh, just, just a, it's unrelated. It's just a little fact I thought oh. I might be interested to know. Okay. okay. That does explain a lot. So the Roman spirit, right? He was just scary. He just wanted to go home, right? That's So are ghosts harmless? Uh, well, which which type? You said there were many different types of ghosts. Well, I think I would argue there's some that are perfectly fine and others that are menacing and have evil intent. So I can tell you that a spirit can literally kill you. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay. Spirits aren't just the ghosts of people. I'm using spirits in its broadest sense. So demons also have spirits. Wait. You're saying that demons can have ghosts? I'm using the word spirit to encompass ghostly phenomenon, which includes demon activity. Okay. And I'll tell you why. I'll explain it now. And okay. It's a, so is a poltergeist a demon, a ghost, a spirit? It's 
that broader we don't sense, right? No one knows. So I'm going to take you to 1981. I'm a little before time here, but uh, it's going to make sense. Uh, I'm going to take you to a little town called Brookfield, Connecticut. I love it. Uh, this is a classic American small town from the storybooks, the siding. 193 years this town's been established. No one's ever been murdered. Okay. Uh, and in this town is a young man named Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. What's his middle name? Cheyenne. Cheyenne. Um, he's got a fiance, and her brother is 11-year-old David Glatzel. Okay. All is not well with David. Is he a ghost? He'd wake up. No, he's a boy. He's an 11-year-old boy. Okay. But he'd wake up crying hysterically, and he'd describe visions of a man with big black eyes, a thin face with animal features and jagged teeth, pointed ears, horns and hooves. What? Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is real. This is news I'm talking about. Yeah, this yeah. Isn't a story. This isn't a story. Yeah. Um, so the child's visions continue. He starts hissing. He's having seizures. He starts speaking in strange voices. Okay. So the parents obviously fear the worst. They think this boy is becoming possessed. Right. So they call in a couple called Ed and Lorraine Warren. Okay. I know um, these two. These are demonologists. Yes, they are. They yes, are they in are. the series of the fran- the movie franchise. The Conjuring. The Conjuring. Correct. So these demonologists come along and David is getting worse and worse. He's experiencing other behaviours. He's swearing. He's levitating. Uh, Wait, an 11-year-old boy is swearing? And levitating. (laughs) Yeah, ignore that bit. And swearing, which is terrible behaviour. It's awful. Uh, And levitating, sorry, levitating without permission. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah, fair enough. So, you know, he's out of control, this kid. So Ed and Lorraine Warren diagnosed... I'm a little bit spooked by this story so far. Well, you should be, because Ed and Lorraine Warren have diagnosed demonic possession. I mean, that was kind of their thing, though, right? So they do this a lot. <laughs> they're coming back later. a massive surprise. Don't, don't worry about that. They're going to hear more from these guys. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, they bring in the exorcist to drive out the demons. Yeah. Uh, and it's going all right. But this is where Arnie Johnson goes wrong. During the process of uh, exorcism, he says... Take me on. Leave my buddy alone. What? Why would you say that? Big mistake yeah. in demon terms. The demon then goes, hmm, interesting. The exorcism appears to work. Yeah. Time passes. Then Arnie starts to act a little bit strange. Oh, his no. He seems a little moody, angry, not quite himself. I'm spooked. On February the 16th, 1981... Yeah. Arnie Johnson was with his landlord, a man called, uh, genuinely, Bono. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame because this is a spooky part of the story. <laughs> You've just <laughs> killed the spook. Not my fault. He's actually called Bono. Okay. <laughs> so Bono is messing with Arnie Johnson's fiance. Right. And out of the blue, Arnie whips out a five-inch pocket knife and bam, stabs him multiple times in the chest and stomach, killing him. He just couldn't find what he was looking for. Well, he was trying to go somewhere where the streets have no name so no one could find him, but it did not work. Uh, the police soon catch up with Arnie. Obviously. Uh, and he confesses his guilt, although he doesn't. He says, the devil made me do it. Right. right? And he uses this actual defence in court. Wow. This is the first known court case in the United States in which the defence sought to prove innocence based on the claim of demonic possession. Wow. The judge throws it out. <laughs> but why? There's evidence. Well, he rules that the defence can never be proven and therefore can't work in a court of law. So he didn't say you are or aren't. He simply said this is unprovable and therefore it's not a claim you can take. Why is it unprovable? I mean, you just told me the story. 
Well, I guess, uh, well, I'm not sure that proved anything. But anyway, so the... Well, I believe it. <laughs> well, so did many people. Uh, Johnson gets convicted. He served five years of a 10 to 20 year sentence. That seems so unfair if he didn't do it. Well, I guess in, you might argue that he took the, the demon with him. <laughs> the demon also got put in jail for those five years. I don't know. That's a fair point, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought this through. <laughs> this, this was a terrible so idea. <laughs> <laughs> the food in here stinks. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so as for David, you remember the original possessee, if you will, um, psychiatrist investigating the case after the fact said that he had a learning disability. So okay. uh, the incident led to the creation of a, te- a television film. Wait, what do you mean by that? Like what, what you, you sort of shrugged at the end of that. What, what is that implying to you? Um, it implies that, and you're going to see more of this, that perhaps Lorraine and uh, Ed Warren like to interpret mental illness as demon possession. <laughs> oh. But we'll, we'll and is that the same see that as... again in the nearish future. Okay. Uh, they made a television film called The Demon Murder Case in 83, and Gerald Brittle published a very successful book called The Devil in Connecticut with the assistance of Lorraine Warren. Okay. So, well, she would know about it, though. She would know about it, but then she did make the money from the book. David's brother, Carl, sued the Warrens, saying they'd used his brother's mental illness for profit. Okay. Um, I don't know actually what the outcome of that suing was, but... Uh, you can see the two sides of the story here. One is I helped you for free and all I did was write this best-selling novel right. as a result of it. Uh, and the other guy said, actually, no, you're just taking my mentally ill brother and made a whole story out of him. So I'm going to come back to the levitating now. I remember you displaying, I know you were more concerned about the bad language. I was, but, yeah. <laughs> that was shocking. But uh, Too spooky for me. Now, uh, the good news is, oh no, uh, sorry, before I do, I just remembered, um, I don't know if they told you about this when you moved in here, but... Um, I think it was the ninth or tenth floor of this building. It was a right. really newsworthy event. They called wait. it the Croydon Blood Orgy. Um, wait, 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 you wait. Probably wait. Did. I, just no, I, you I live in, on I the tenth floor. Oh, yeah, you do, yeah. No, it's uh, probably the ninth floor then. Anyway, it, I mean, it just popped into my head, so don't worry about why, that. Well, why would you? It doesn't matter. Look, let's talk about the Enfield podcast. The Blood Orgy. The Croydon Blood Orgy. Um, the, I mean, it was just a name. That's just what they called on it. The not, they never actually really understood what happened. They just found all the parts and just the assumed. The parts? Well, no, like it doesn't human matter. parts? It was a mix, but... Um, a mix of parts? Yeah, it was... That's what... I don't know. There was some speculation. Was it okay. an orgy? Nobody really knows. They just, you know... People, I mean, it sounds like we don't really like know enough about these it. things, right? right. Just, it was uh, definitely this building, though. It was... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was one... Of, it might have been another one. Probably one that looked like this on this right. road. So, anyway, let's talk about levitation, right? Have you ever heard of the Enfield Poltergeist? Um, I think I have. Yeah, I think they made one of the Conjuring films about it. Yeah, well, and Lorraine Warren about to pop up again. Yeah. So we're in 1977. I'm, I'm leaping back a bit. I'm coming back to England now. I actually quite enjoyed that film. Um, in August 1977, the single parent called Peggy Hodgson called the police uh, to her home, yeah. claiming she had witnessed furniture moving yeah, yeah. and the knocking sounds. Yeah. Uh, and the children were someone called Margaret, who was 13, and Janet, 11. Yeah. A police constable came along and said they saw a chair wobble and slide. Yeah, he was in the film. Yeah. Other claims include disembodied voices, loud noises, <laughs> thrown toys, overturned chairs, and children levitating. Okay, cool. Now, you're thinking, well, how are you going to prove something like that? Well, fortunately for you, there are photographs of this levitation no in way. action. Now, I know you, Ryan, and yeah. I know you love a supernatural mystery. I mean, this is great. So I'm going to show you first the one picture that is okay. the demonstration of the levitation. And this is undoctored, right? This is just this is, well, this yeah, is the this picture is that was taken. Right? There you go. You see that? Right, yeah. So you described that. That's the, the proof of the levitation. Okay, right. So Pete's handed me his iPad, and on it, 
There is a very 70s looking bedroom. There are two single beds. Uh, one child is in the bed, which you can't quite see. The other child is granted in the air. Yes. Uh, quite, quite high. Well, <laughs> quite, we seem to, I feel like we swapped roles. <laughs> quite high. In, look, I'm not, I don't just believe anything. <laughs> And this child is is in the top half of the photo, um, but it very much looks like they're just leaping in the air. So now, it's a high jump. It is, a but not an jump. not not a terrific jump from a bed that's springy. I think, in summary, it could not be more obviously someone jumping off a bed, could it? <laughs> than someone actually just floating <laughs> and in the that air. That is our proof of levitation from from the Enfield poltergeist. Okay. Uh, so yeah, sorry to have to expose you to that, but that's that's what happened there. But now think. What if it wasn't? What if we're mocking it, but actually she was just being thrown across the room? Opinion is divided as to whether the infield of poltergeist is real, but uh, opinion will be divided even further in the next couple of stories I have for you. But let's let's uh, talk a bit about haunting and ghost hunting and these these kind of people who go to places and go, is there a, is there a, a ghost here? Yeah. There's a whole industry of paranormal research. It really took off in the 80s and beyond. Um, Ghostbusters must have been the start, the Ghost- surely. I, I think that you've seen Ghostbusters and all of those, um, a little bit before that, actually, I would say. You've probably you've got those kind of um, The Exorcist in 73, which we'll talk about in a minute. And you'll see in all of those movies, Ghostbusters included, they sort of set up a lot of equipment. When you, when you have it, there's a sort of, ghost movie trope where you go i've got a haunting and then the ghost hunters come in sure and they're always setting up cameras and audio equipment and uh they they're there to capture all these evidence of ghosts right and that includes audio equipment uh, and that's for capturing a thing called now i'm in the ghost hunting community evp which is electronic voice phenomena yeah so i have collected a few electronic voice phenomena for you to judge for yourself whether these are real so this first one this is satan obviously obviously, yeah saying come into the fire come to me okay okay she man Satan. Uh, yeah. That's not that's not the only one I've got. I've got some more because I know you you are a fan. This is marbles falling. Marbles and a child saying it's mine. Wait, why is that ghostly? It was recorded without a child playing marbles in it. Oh uh, well, yeah, that <laughs> that is the added bit of information I needed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, it's not just a child. Here's a child. The end. I'll give you one more. It's a ghostly voice calling from a haunted mirror, apparently saying, you help me. Okay. Ghostly voice. I'm ready. This is your chance to communicate. That's really clear. (laughs) That's the medium. Okay. That was it. You helped me. Wait, I missed it. Yeah. uh, Do you want to play it again? Yeah. You help me. Well, look, I don't voice know. phenomena, Ryan. I mean, I don't know what I would be expecting a ghost to sound like. I don't expect, you know, a ghost to have human vocal cords, right? So they're not going to sound normal. They're going to sound creepy. They're going to sound a little bit creepy because I mean, they're going to sound 
you know, um, supernatural. Yeah. But anyway, look, I thought one, one of the things we could do, Ryan, is um, see if there were any of those in your house. Nah. So the modern, the modern, nah, I'm good. The modern ghost hunter uh, doesn't need like the big video VCR setup. You okay. can purchase uh, ghost finding apps on nice. your telephone, Ryan. Cool. And I happen to have, I have a selection of them actually, but this is one I personally prefer. If you'd like to take, you can hear that. Mm. This is picking up on your ghostly activity. And what it's going to do is in that yep. little box there, it will give you the words that it's picking up from the spirit world. So if you'd like to just sort of okay. wander around your house and see what you can find and see what it tells you. You want me to wander around my flat oh, yeah, they, trying to find ghosts? Ghosts aren't going to come to you. You have to go find them. So I just wander around with this. Wander around and see what words come up. Might be nothing. There might I be nothing press anything. Oh, oh, it's beeping. It's beeping. Yeah, it is. All right. Okay. He's okay. taking his headphones off. Oh, He's going into... So eventually, if if it detects something, a word should come up. It sounds like he's approaching something. The kitchen. The kitchen's a little bit spooky. The little green bars are getting bigger. Bar, right? They're ghost bars. Okay, I got a word. What is the word? Correct. Correct. Oh, that's encouraging. There's nothing by the door. Nothing by the door. Uh, TV. TV ghosts? Sofa ghosts. So there's something out there that's correct. It's agreeing with us. That's encouraging. Yeah, correct. And that's the only word you got. Interesting. That's all I got. So there's probably something in here and it seems quite friendly. That's, that's good news. Correct. So that was a little ghost hunt. Nice. Tiny little ghost hunt. Tiny little ghost. Uh, so that's, that's good news that that demon is, uh, on demon, sorry, spirit is friendly. Uh, now, uh, I want to get into our time period because I've been cheating you out of this by being in 1981 and the second century AD. Correct. So we're going back to Connecticut, a town called Southington, and the year is 1986. Correcticut. Correcticut. <laughs> Correcticut. The ghost knew what we were going to do. Exactly. Carmen and Al Snedeker moved to the small town of Southfield. Southington, sorry. Connecticut. Okay. They were trying to get close to the hospital because their oldest son is being treated for Hodgkin's lymphoma, a form of cancer. Oh, no. And they haven't got a lot of money, so they found what was a very cheap house to rent. Uh-oh. Yes. Dude with chains. Um, well, much worse than that. So they move into the uh, the house and after they've moved in, they discover that the basement has a very peculiar room that is replete with embalming tables and a blood drain. Wow. This is an ex-funeral home. Oh, okay. So... I was thinking it was like a serial killer or something. No, no, it was uh, it was a, it's an old funeral home. It had like a little ramp down. It's got tables for embalming. It's got a place for the vats of blood. There's no way they didn't know that when they bought the place. Um, well, they uh, they told the realtor, and he was like, "Oh, you found out, did you?" <laughs> you found realtor. Out. <laughs> okay. So downstairs is the only place big enough for the two children, two boys. Uh, to in the bloodletting room. In the uh, embalming. Not in the basement. Yeah. yeah, kids, you go down, you you sleep in the embalming room. So now Carmen Snedeker begins to experience strange phenomena. Okay. She hears voices. Yeah. She sees in the darkened windows a strange figure <gasps> staring at her. Okay. And the oldest child begins to exhibit radical personality shifts. He becomes withdrawn. He becomes angry. Something is going on. I mean, that sounds like a teenager, though. Well, how do you explain this? Carmen, in the kitchen, tried to mop the kitchen floor, but every time she applied the mop to the ground, the water became oozing red liquid. Really? The mop, every time she mopped the kitchen, a blood-like substance would appear. 
Okay. A smell of decay would permeate the house. Well, that makes sense. No apparent source. Her friends would say they didn't want to stay in the house. It felt unwelcoming. I've been in houses like that. It is, it's weird when you go in a house and you just get that weird feeling. It's just like something bad happened here. Well, worse, some female cousins came to stay in the house and they reported that something was touching them sexually. Inappropriately. In the night. And they were right. Something was touching them sexually and inappropriately in the night. It was the oldest child, Stephen, oh. who was hearing voices telling him to touch and assault his cousins. Okay. This is all true. Mm-hmm. Stephen was arrested and diagnosed with schizophrenia. Okay. Uh, eventually comes back to the house and the weird happenings continue. Still, there are strange voices. In the night, you'll be watching television. You look up and in the window, there's a face looking at you. Did it stop, though, when he was away from the house? It's uh, record is unclear on that matter. Okay. See, that's a question that they should have asked. Uh, lights start flickering on and off. Yeah. But there's no light bulb in the fitting. Wait, what? Wait, there's no light bulb. How's it flickering? There's voices. There's flickering. There's noises. There's lights. There's movements. There's faces in the window. Yeah, that's pretty spooky. So the Snedekers call in the experts. Oh, let me guess. Have a guess. Is it? Is Is it it, Ed and and Lorraine Warren? It is Ed and Lorraine Warren. You are correct. Now, um, knowing what you know about the Warrens, what do you think they decide the problem might be? Ghosts. Demons, yes. They think it's time for another exorcism. <laughs> Yay. And another best-selling book. Uh, well, quite so. A priest is drafting into battles with the forces of darkness who have become powerful in the house. Wow. It, they bring in the exorcist. The windows rattle. The demons scream. The priest bravely asserts the dominance of the Lord God in the house. Yeah. After hours of horrors, finally, the demons are driven out and the house falls silent. Yes. Another victory for Ed and Lorraine Warren. Nice. It's good book. Or, Another mentally ill individual used and abused for profit because although the Warrens didn't charge for their services, once again, what's in it for them? In this case, a 1992 novel about the event called uh, In a Dark Place, uh, written by a guy who was a horror writer called Ray Garn and Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, Right. So it was a fiction book. It wasn't like a... No, the big selling point of Ed and Lorraine Warren's stories is they are true. Yeah, but then the Conjuring films are like, you know, they're heightened reality. They're not like... Oh, the films. The films are based on the books. The books claim to be true. Okay. Uh, Now, of course, Ray Garton began to worry. Uh, So Ed and Lorraine say this has all happened. Ray Garton, who is the author of In a Dark Place, um, started to worry because uh, nobody he spoke to could get their story straight. And he goes to Ed Warren and he says, these guys, their story does not stack up. Right. Uh, And Ed Warren claims Ray Garton said, don't worry, the family is crazy. All the people who come to us is crazy. Do you think sane people would come to us? He also said that you'd written a lot of horror novels prior to that, so just make the story using whatever details you can incorporate into a book and make it scary. Right. So Ray Garton, the author, says they just made all this stuff up. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't trust him. Well, you know, he made his money. He was part of it in a way. Uh, meanwhile, nobody else living in the house has reported any problems at all other than people coming to look at the haunted house. Yeah. But maybe that's because the Warrens drove the demons out. But, right, they didn't come to the family and be like, you've got a ghost in the house. There was strange things happening in the house. We Let's not take away from the fact that there was blood coming through the floor when she was mopping it. And there were voices that, well... The, people the, were being touched in the night. I mean, people were, but I mean, this is the... The facts are there was a schizophrenic man who was arrested for molesting his cousins. You know, bad things happened in that house. 
And it is not a leap to think when bad things happen, it is tempting to blame an abstract evil rather than say, oh, this mental illness is a much more difficult thing to comprehend than just ghosts in some ways. I still think it's ghosts. Could be. Who are the Warrens though? They're serial demon hunters. They uh, make a lot of books and movies, obviously, as you know, the Conjuring films are about them. Um, the Conjuring universe the is universe, now called, in fact, yeah. yeah. So they're devout Catholics. Um, Ed was the demonologist and Lorraine is a medium or clairvoyant. And they founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, which is the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. Mm-hmm. Um, and so either they are very religious people who interpret things in a very predictable way, or they're serial fraudsters who prey on the mentally ill and make millions out of true story books and movies. They ran the Warren's Occult Museum, which in which the house the doll Annabelle, which Annabelle, I'm sure you're familiar with. Very familiar. Well, not very familiar, but you know, like I've seen the film. And of course they attended the Amityville. So Get out. Much, all these major Get events. out. Exactly. Um gone. Get out. <laughs> Maybe it's just interpreting correct. Her get out and it just said correct. Don't tell me that. I was feeling positive about my ghost here. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Pete. How did the sounds go last night? It was fine. Because I know you're a bit nervous about something bad coming through from the other side. No, totally normal. Nothing strange happened. Nothing at all. All right, good, good. Anyway, um, look, I'm off to the shop. Is there anything you need? Bring me the blood of a virgin. <laughs> what? what was that, Ryan? Are you, are you okay? I'm fine. I am Galvor, the devourer. I have inhabited this puny body of Ryan of Weir. Oh, oh. Can I Can I have him back? No. His soul is mine. Oh, uh, well, do, do, do you know much about history? I have witnessed the slaughter of every battle fought by man. I have walked every land and sailed every sea. I am beyond time. I am Galgor the Devourer. Interesting. History happened everywhere. Hello and welcome to History Happened Everywhere. My name is Pete Goddard and with me in the studio is my charming co-host and new best pal, Galgore the Devourer. It is I. Hello mate, how's your week been? I have slain many enemies, it has been a good week. <laughs> so anyway, um, Garton, the author, did say of Lorraine, if she told me the sun would come up tomorrow morning, I'd get a second opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, you know, I I, I don't know where you stick with about the Warrens, but I think it is worth reflecting on the fact that pretty much every culture everywhere has this notion of a ghost, right? Yeah, they do. It is a universal Universal. concept, really, isn't it? Totally. So then let's consider... Because weird stuff happens. Weird stuff happens, and, uh, and... Everywhere has this notion of surviving beyond death. Yeah. Uh, an aspect of the human that is beyond the physical. Yeah. The things it's impossible to explain. Right. So now let me ask you a question. Okay. The question is, are ghosts magnetic? Um, are ghosts magnetic? No. So there's some researches that um, was done that uh, looked at poltergeist episodes and activity. Yep. And mapped it against global geomagnetic activity, and cool. they found frequently uh, reports of um, 
of ghostly activity coincided with intense increases in global geomagnetic activity. Okay, what does that mean in English? Uh, it means when there's more magnety stuff going on, there's more ghosts spotted. What, what's magnety stuff? Uh, so sun, sun bursts and things that increase magnetic waves traveling through oh. the air, I guess. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was a thing. So um, these results are statistically significant. And so the, the question was asked and some research has been done that says, is there something about geomagnetic activity that either creates ghosts or makes people see ghosts? Sure. A strange behavior that you wouldn't be able to ascribe to anything else, right? Right. So there's a, a scientist, a sort of parascientist para guy called Dr. Michael Persinger, who developed something. He was also looking at this notion of magnets as being uh, involved in these activities. Yeah. And he invented a thing called the God Helmet. Nice. Right. So this is a thing, <laughs> a thing he used that basically was a sort of electromagnets in a. I think it was like a, a hockey helmet or something. Literally okay. a helmet. Yeah. Uh, to pass magnetic waves through the brain of a test subject. Sure. Uh, and he got people to um, st the, wear this helmet. It stimulates the temporal lobes yeah. with weak electromagnetic fields. And a large number of people he published in his study sensed a presence when they had this magnetic waves passing through their brain, suggesting potentially that magnetic activity causes us the brain to react in a way that is interpreted as sensing and seeing ghosts right so when the sun is doing its thing and lots of magnetic waves are floating through the air our brains interpret that as picking up that and go oh i feel like i'm being watched and oh is that suddenly gone cold there is a ghost and, and yeah okay so that's kind of cool Right, so that's um, now I'm I've got a really I'm really sorry. they tried this with um, Richard Dawkins actually. Side note, renowned skeptic, uh, he felt dizzy and a tingling in the leg, but he had been drinking wine beforehand. So tingling in the leg, yeah, that was all he got okay. really. Did they try it with a fish? Uh, it didn't specify. I, they I wonder because what they think. <laughs> <laughs> How was that for you? <laughs> I just wonder because you never hear about ghost fish. And yet they're dying all the time. And I'm guessing they have spirits. Yeah, but they live in water. So they ghost in the water. You don't see when we last in water at night. Imagine That's a ghost, ghost in the water. Live. Well, they would a ghost fish if the water level had fallen since it died. Yeah. Hover in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you think back to the ones where it's like 75 meters worth yeah. of sea that used you to be there. see loads of little ghost fishes floating about. <laughs> Yeah. Plenty of them were murdered. No, my point is, if the magnetic waves, does it affect, like, because birds are affected by magnet magnets, right? Like the Earth's magnetational magnets. Yeah, but they have waves. different brains, don't they? So I think... So they can't, is, they're not possible to see ghosts. So there is there is an, another element. Have you, there is a phenomenon called paradoilia. I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. Okay. Which is the, the human tendency to see faces in things. Yes. Right? So we have evolved to be extremely sensitive to faces. And a side effect of that is we see faces in things that aren't faces. Mm. So it doesn't take much disruption of our sense, senses to see a person where there isn't a person, hear a voice where there isn't a voice. Oh, like uh, um, seeing, I don't know, Mother Teresa's face in a potato or whatever. Jesus in a slice of toast, right? That's So uh, personally, I think that the human brain is so has developed to be so sensitive to seeing other humans yeah. that things that aren't other humans are very readily interpreted as other as uh appearing human but not human oh that must therefore be a ghost right? so a monkey wouldn't see a ghost i 
don't we should try it or a donkey well the good news is you can a buy a god helmet a ghost? you can buy a god helmet for really? 600 dollars. i really really wanted to bring and try a god <laughs> helmet right. yeah I, but 600 dollars was rather beyond me you can return also, it afterwards well no there's also instructions for making your own god helmet oh well come on online uh, I had a look at them. Yeah, way beyond my technical oh, capabilities. Really? The chances of me actually accidentally giving you essentially accidental electroshock therapy was way too high. So, I'm uh, happy to advertise if they want to give us a god helmet for us to try. We will give. It we a go. will give solid time on this podcast. All right, I will put it out. Let's do it twofold. Number one, the god helmet people. We will definitely advertise your god helmet by trying it out on the podcast. Two, people who are good with electronics. If you're willing to help us out make i have the, the links to the open source instructions for making it uh get in touch get in touch hhepodcast at gmail.com so there is an open source version if you want to build your own god helmet follow up pop a proton pack in and bingo you are a ghostbuster ghostbuster that's my segue so that we could talk about ghostbusters nice So Dan Aykroyd, you're familiar with him? I am. He's yeah. he's uh, uh, a non-skeptic as well. He Very loves a ghost. So. He grew up surrounded by spiritualists, right? His great-grandfather, Samuel A. Aykroyd, was a noted 19th century psychic investigator. And they used to have seances in their family farmhouse in Ontario cool. uh, with a medium named Walter Ashurst. His father, I think, wrote a book about it. Okay. So he comes from a long line of paranormal people. Nice. Uh, and this gave him, obviously, the inspiration for the film. That makes sense. Uh, but the reason I wanted to talk about him was because he, <laughs> in a way, he made his own ghost. Wow. Get this. So, yeah, are you aware of the character Venkman in the film Ghostbusters? Peter Venkman, yeah. Peter Venkman. Played yeah. by the, the young Bill Murray. Yes. Originally slated to be played by John Belushi. Uh, and John Belushi died. So the role went to Bill Murray. So Dan Aykroyd wanted to honour his friend. So he decides, I want to base the ghost Slimer on John Belushi. Oh, really? Okay. Right? So <laughs> that's not the ghost he made, though. Oh. Uh, the FX guy, a guy called Steve Johnson, who'd been working on the ghost, yeah. 24 hours before it's due, that's when he gets the memo going, oh, can you make it John Belushi? Right. Like, oh, my gosh, this is not at all what I was ready for. Yeah. So, and these are his words from his book. Um, I pulled out a stack of headshots of John Belushi, poured a gram of cocaine on it, and started chopping lines up, Johnson records. He literally thought that John Belushi's ghost came to him to help him out. <laughs> okay. Belushi, though, is good guy ghost, because before leaving, presumably for toga party heaven, yeah. <laughs> the ghost of John Belushi says to uh, Johnson, watch that stuff, he didn't say stuff, watch that stuff, Steve, it'll kill you. Read the cocaine, which he would know, right? <laughs> I guess so, he would, yeah. So uh, I guess not only did... Uh, Dan Aykroyd honour him by making him a ghost. He sort of summoned his ghost to make his uh, this Slimer character. But yeah, when you see Slimer in Ghostbusters, yeah. John Belushi. Uh, right, okay. But the, like the look of it isn't John Belushi. It's, it's just the essence it's of, the John, essence Belushi, of right? John Belushi. John Belushi toga party. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of thing, right? So, so ghosts cool. can be helpful. And that's the moral of the story, I think. He slimed me. Right? Or maybe the moral of the story is don't stay up all night doing cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the moral of the story is now I think about it. Uh, 
so right so um ghosts can be helpful so i'm going to suggest we try and find ourselves a helpful ghost i am the gatekeeper so question for you ryan how do you ask a ghost question uh using a ouija board correct oh no correct that was the word and here's the ouija board do you know i've never played ouija wow ouija good news we really going to do ouija so let's talk about ouija for a moment oh i feel uncomfortable um so Ouija have you not heard about the Croydon bloodbath? No, I've never heard orgy. of that. Orgy. that? Blood orgy. No, you're just making it up, surely. So Ouija board's based in spiritualism, right? Okay. So uh, they're actually a weirdly practical thing, right? Because uh, the, 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 <laughs> the beginnings of spiritualism, you go A, B, C, D, and wait for the spirit to go, oh yeah, that one. Right, okay. Which was a massive pain in the bum. So uh, the, the inventors of the Ouija board was kind of thinking... Oh come on! This is a, this is painful. How do we get a spirit yeah. to just find us letters without reciting the alphabet for every single effort, uh, letter that we have to do? Sure. So there's various versions of Ouija boards before the Ouija board that we know today. Yeah. Uh, so it's not really one person invented it, but there's a guy called Charles Kennard who claims to have invented it uh, back in the 1890s. Okay. Um, probably there were loads of different versions, but this was the shame. One it wasn't the 1980s. It, it is a shame, but I'm going with it. I just I'm chugging. No, it's my close, numbers. isn't it? Um. But they, they patented it. Okay. So to patent this, they yeah. had to prove that it worked. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. So, so they went to the uh, office and um, the patent office. And yeah. the patent office guy goes, well, prove we it. have to prove that it works. And he, goes, and he said, what's my name? And sure enough. No whoosh, way. The Ouija board spelled out the patent office guy's name. Is this true? This is what they say. Now, a small detail that might be added is that his patent attorney was with him. He might well have known this guy's name. But but that's apparently what happened. That's amazing. Uh, So these became patented. They they were were seen as a fun and harmless thing, actually, for a long time. You're just contacting dead people, right? Oh, yeah, it's harmless. uh, There's one historian who believes really the 1973 film The Exorcist was a massive turning point for Ouija boards from being... A fun game thing to a sinister, don't mess with let this. devils into the yeah, world yeah, kind yeah. of device. Uh, and really, my mum would not be happy that there's one of these in, in my flat. Right? She refused to allow a Ouija board in our house. And this all comes from the fact that the, it was only, it wasn't even stated in The Exorcist. It's implied there's a Ouija board kind of in the room. Yeah. It's not, but the implication is that the Ouija board lets the devil into the, into the, the demon, into Regan. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we've got a we've got a Ouija board here. Okay. So do you want to just describe Brian what you're seeing here? Yeah, yeah. For those people that don't know what a Ouija board is, um, it is literally like a board game, uh, A4 size, US letter, <laughs> <laughs> unlined, unlined. Uh, okay, it's a two tone. It's got every character of the alphabet and numbers from one to zero, and the word goodbye written at the bottom and then in the top left and right corner underneath uh, a picture of the sun is uh, the word yes and on the right hand side top right hand side is a picture of the moon and the word no there's some rules to this to mm-hmm. how we get going so we're going to um just to give you some ideas to ouija etiquette do we not put a cup on it or something oh yes it comes with a, a, pl- a planchette well this is like a massive guitar pick Yes, that's exactly <laughs> really massive, but with a hole cut in it in in the end of it, in the pointy end, uh, and that's pretty much it. And I guess the hole is big enough that you put it on the on the Ouija board, and then you can see what characters or wherever it's moving. Well, to. either point to, or I mean, it depends on the 
the ghost will control your hands as you that's the point it of this around, right and uh, it will it, go to various letters or yes or no so you're better off so there's um there's an etiquette to this apparently. okay so this is effectively a phone call to the spirit world and sure. just like phone calls have etiquette like you say hello when you start and say goodbye when you finish it's the same sort of thing yeah you um you have an opening ritual to sort of establish what you're doing do i have to get naked again um you do, yes. I'm sorry. Uh, well, I'm not sorry. I'm delighted. <laughs> um, we we pick one medium, so we don't both ask questions because spirits live in the spirit world, and it's quite confusing if lots of different people are asking them questions. So you okay. pick one medium to ask the questions. Who's that in our case? Uh, well, we discussed that. I, I was going to suggest you. You try and ask them simple questions. You don't say, you know, what's the sure. capital of Uzbekistan or something. You're not trying to trick them. This is a, should be a friendly exchange, right? Uh, we need to light a single white candle for protection. Peter has come <laughs> prepared for all of this. Okay, fair enough. Now, if it shows the sun, that suggests it's a good spirit. If it goes to the moon, it's probably a bad spirit. Okay, well then, uh, can we stop it if it goes towards the moon? Uh, well, you know, the, the disc goes where it can. But if you don't want to, if we engage with the spirit we don't want to deal with, yeah, we just have to say, thank you, goodbye. Okay. Uh, um, ideally, the spirit will take us to the goodbye. This is why we have the goodbye on the okay. on the. Um, what if board? it doesn't want it though? What if it well, then we move it to the goodbye, and that's us signing off. Okay, and that stops it from coming into my flat. Yeah. And so we say so we life. keep our fingers on the board on the planchette. We don't want to okay. split it. If we don't say goodbye, that's problematic. Are the conjuring two going to turn up later? <laughs> <laughs> if you start levitate, levitating, I'm taking pictures. Put it that way. Okay. So. Um, there's, there's a ton more rules, but that, those are the ones I thought were most interesting. Okay. Pretty much the rules are fairly simple in terms of their decency, right? We say we're leaving now, rest in peace at the end. All right. Uh, we don't try and mess with them. Don't ask them complicated or confusing questions. Don't ask about the future. They're, they're just ghosts, right? They don't know yeah. what's going to happen. Do they know the future? Can I ask them, like, questions of the um, future? Opinion is divided, but also what you don't know is whether they're telling you the truth or not right so okay you're really inviting problems if you ask them the future in fact it says here um be careful what you wish for don't ask silly or stupid questions okay i think i can't remember what it was it did say somewhere don't ask them about the future because either they're going to lie or they'll just be wrong because their spirits yeah. are not clairvoyant <clears throat> okay so um i'm going to take it seriously because i don't want a ghost in my house that's annoyed at me oh, absolutely hey pete Hey Ryan. Hey, look, I'm I'm a bit worried because I think I might be haunted. Well, like by a ghost. Yeah, like by a ghost. Now, I know you're all cynical and stuff, but I'm serious. This is really spooking me out. Well, what, what what's making you think this? All right. Well, look, I'm lying in bed at night every night, and I hear these weird noises. Like it's like a a thumping sound. It's like thump, 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 and then it gets louder. It's like thump, thump thump and then it gets faster it's like thump 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 and then it stops and i just hear this ghostly voice crying out oh god yeah ryan uh, is the apartment next door still empty um no no the newlyweds moved in last week i told you yeah i, th I think what you're hearing there ryan is, is the sounds of newlyweds you know a bit of it's a newlywed activity oh yeah, oh. yeah, exactly, right? Oh! <laughs> yeah. Oh, the old... Um... Mm, a little bit of... Mm, yeah, hey, hey. Mm. Uh, no, that, that does make sense. Yeah, actually, I mean, you're the second person to say that to me, so it does, yeah, that sort of clarifies it a little bit. Well, who, who else did you talk to about this? Oh, well, Uncle Colin mentioned it yesterday. Uncle Colin? Yeah, Uncle Colin, yeah. Mentioned it yesterday? Well, I speak to him all the time. 
Brian. Yeah. Uncle Colin died two years ago. Don't be stupid. Uncle Colin stood behind you right now. So here's, here's some other things you need to know. So we you don't take your fingers off the planchette until we've said goodbye and moved the planchette to goodbye. Well, what happens if I do? Well, you're going to leave a gap. Do you want a gap, Ryan? No. No, you don't want a gap. This is what brings. Ed I don't want to let anything. Yeah, I don't want to let anything in. <laughs> right. So that's why you say goodbye, and only then do you okay. take your fingers off. So we, what we're going to do is we're going to start. We're also going to put a silver coin on the board to. Do you have a silver coin protection? Well, I'm not sure whether it's the silver or the coin that protects us. So I've got a coin that is silver in appearance, and I've got some silver here to put on the board as well as protection. Okay. Cool. The now, candle is lit. If this starts repeatedly going to eight or moving in figure eights, that's not a good thing. Okay. And we should, as quickly as possible, thank the spirit for their time. Right. And move to goodbye. Hold hands. Okay. What do I say? Oh, yeah, you're the medium, aren't you? Yes, we, we need to invite them and make them feel comfortable. You, uh, uh, I make it up. A greeting. Yes. Oh. Hello. Uh, this is Ryan Weir. From History, History Happened Everywhere. <laughs> Podcast intro. <laughs> I think more spiritual. I'd like to welcome you to the studio. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Peter Goddard. Say hello, Pete. Hello, spirits. Um, we're going to do some spirit stuff. Love to interview you. Love, Love to, to interview your you. perspective on life Come or on. afterlife. We're doing a show about ghosts. So thanks for coming. And we feel like maybe that might be appropriate. So we're going to ask you some questions, if that's okay. We'd be delighted to speak with you. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks. So now All you right. put fingers on the planchette, and we keep the hands on until we've said goodbye. Okay. All right, what happens now? So then you ask a question. Oh. Uh, hey, um, is there anybody there? <laughs> <laughs> it's moving down I mean, the board. There is. It's moving towards Yes. So I think we've got... That's a solid yes. I think we've got contact. We've got contact. All right, cool. Um, uh, hey, thanks for joining us. Hey, hey, hey. How are you doing? Thanks for being a nice one. Um, how old were you when you died? Didn't they want to be reminded no, of that? No, probably not. But that was the question that I had. So... <laughs> oh, where's it going? It's currently just sort of a jiggy-jaggedy across the board. Stopped in no man's land, isn't it? Yeah. V? V? V. That's five. Could be a Roman ghost. Yeah. V is... Oh, it hasn't stopped on V, to be fair. It has stopped on V. Five. You were five years old. Don't bother saying yes. That's fine. We'll just take it as five. Unless it's wrong. <laughs> Leading the witness. You'll tell us. <laughs> Uh-oh. It's moving again. What? Okay. I've got a question for you, ghost. If you don't mind, this is going to be a future-looking one. Because you, you don't have to answer this, but it's a future question. What grade will peter get for this episode of history happened everywhere by which i mean what grade will paul dursley our judge and critic give him the temptation to yank it over. <laughs> you're not allowed I've to got move opinions. it you're not allowed to move it oh it's not looking good though <laughs> this is currently on an f or a g an e an e oh that's probably likely to be fair an e it's stopped on the e oh come on <laughs> spirit i mean you're probably not wrong i think that's a good time to end that is thank you very much oh, thanks nice. thanks ghost thanks ghost goodbye goodbye thank you can i let go now yes Ooh. <laughs>
So um, a little a sort of side side note about Ouija boards. There is a thing called the ideomotor effect. And this is what the scientists think happens in a state of Ouija, which is that you don't think you're moving it, but you are because your you, your muscles because your muscles have these spontaneous, very tiny but unconscious movements. So you don't think you're consciously moving it, but you are. Um, I literally I had the lightest touch on it. Right. And and that's this is what the ideomotor effect is. It's unconscious muscular movements. Uh, and it, it, in some ways it has a lot of potential for revealing things that you're unconscious of thinking because your body is telling you actually weirdly. Your conscious mind is like, oh, no, I'm not doing this. Okay. But actually you are uh, expressing yourself in an unconscious manner. Uh, and that is what the scientists think is more uh, a, a, what's happening in the Ouija phenomenon. So... I want you to have an E grade for this episode of History Up Never. Well, someone does. It could be you, it could be me, but, you know, follow the money, Ryan. Follow the money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that's that's ghosts. We've talked to a ghost. We've found a ghost. Correct. Yeah, correct. correct. Yeah, what is that all about? Mm. Um, we've met Ed and Lorraine Warren, the demonologists slash mentally yeah. ill botherers <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh they were the, the main my main 1980s hook sure we've met dan Aykroyd and his uh background in the paranormal and that is all i have to present you sir for 85 to 90 ghosts in the usa man that was awesome this was everything i was expecting from a ghostly episode <laughs> this is wicked and the ouija board was a really nice touch um this is great nice So, you know what it is? It's time for... The Dursalator. Dursalator time. Ooh, yeah. I feel like this needs a jingle. Dursalator. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> random time and a random country. Right, exactly. Like some sort of <laughs> game but show. But not that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And so, I crank open the Dursalator. Uh, do you want to press the button this week? I would love to. All right. Come, come, on, come over. everyone. All right. All you need to do is push the button. Yeah. Okay. And the country is. Well, Ryan, how big do you like your countries? Bigger than a France. Bigger than a France. Well, I've got good news for you, sir. Your country, sir, is Brazil. Yay! That sounds awesome. All right. Brazil. (laughs) All right. Let's, um, I'm I'm happy with Brazil. That's good. All right. Well, it's all about the time period then, isn't it? Okay. Let's hit the time period. Okay. Yeah. How modern do you like your time periods, Ryan? Oh, I like... I don't want them in the 20s or 30s. I feel like I've done lots of 20s and 30s. You've done a lot of that. And, and 40s as well. Really even 40s, I've done 20s, yeah. 30s and 40s. Those okay. are, so I don't want any of that. All right. No problem. I can present you, sir. 1950. Are you kidding me? To 1960. <laughs> For real. You're a hipster, man. You can go from rock and roll straight into uh, hippie land. I'm just going to work my way through the 1900s. That's fine. Uh, okay. Brazil, 1950 to 1960. Okay. And uh, you're going to want a nice broad topic, don't you? I do. Yeah. Okay. Let's hit the topic. All right. And the topic is? <laughs> oh, no. The topic, sir, is fashion. Fashion? Fashion. Oh, this sounds okay. In the 50s to 60s. Right. There's a lot going on, I think. I think this Brazil. is actually a riper, riper than it might have first appear. Brazil, 50s Brazil. to the 60s. With fashion. fashion. I'm loving that. 
All right. This is going to be this is going to be good. It's just going to be like bikinis and stuff, isn't it? Beachwear. <laughs> <laughs> when was the girl from Ipanema? Is that Brazil? Yeah. Ipanema Beach in Rio de Janeiro. Mm, this is going to be an exciting week of research. Wait, wait. Did you hear that? No. Did you hear that? What? Nothing. I just keep hearing something. It's a weird... No, it's nothing. Nothing. Okay. All right. Got, you notice, like, did you, it's you got cold the, in here, isn't it? Yeah, if you got the window really open. It's really cold. It's, um, I, I think it's the window. I see your breath, I think. Anyway, so that's the Dursalator for... Uh, oh, look out behind you! Oh, my God! Oh, my God!